0: Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics!
1: Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello everybody. Hello everyone. And welcome back to Hey Kids Comics. We've had a present. Another. Another present. This is two weeks going. listeners are awesome. Following on from last week's present... I am the voice of Night
0: Industry 2000's microprocessor. K-I-T-T for easy reference. A kit if
1: you prefer. Because that was awesome.
0: Can I have have a car to go with it? (laughs) I am the night-automated
1: roving robot, Carr. Actually, no. Yes. He was uh, Peter Cullen, who voices Optimus Prime. Okay. And we are going to do a Transformers show very soon. Uh, the, well, that will it be, all comes together. That will be the week someone gives me a present
0: of, of a time. This, this was for both of us, though. It was. This so, was for both of us. That means the first one was yours, the second one was both. So next week, I, I have to get a present <laughs> next week. Is so
1: that how this works? Is how it works? Spencer Thompson. Hello, Spencer has sent us a present. Mm-hmm. Belated birthday, no, not a birthday, was it? Belated Christmas present from a devoted listener. A devoted listener, not a demented listener. No, no, no. I think he <laughs> spelt it wrong. <laughs> Here's a book written by one of the true a nutters in comics. Sounding good already. Drawn by my favourite artist, Hope You Dig, from Spencer. Well, thank you very much, Mr Spencer, J.P. Thompson. He has sent us a copy of the first trade paperback, Godland, Hello Cosmic, by Joe Casey and Tom Scioli. I've never read this. Me neither.
0: It's, it's Joe Casey,
1: so... I was Is he one of the men of action? Yes. Ah, For right. For Ben 10.
0: For Ben 10, And yeah. he did... The, the early Death Peel series?
1: He did, yes.
0: And he had a thing on Spider Man? He did. He had a what on Spider Man? A thing on Sp- A <laughs> run on Spider Man. He did what on Spider Man? It's like a few issues. He had the runs on Spider Man. <laughs>
1: That's why he sought for the black costume, it doesn't show up it as much. It the skid marks don't show up as much now. So thank you very much, Spencer Thompson, that was brilliant, that was a lovely gift, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Because I got home, and it was just addressed to Andrew and Michael.
0: Yeah, I, I picked it up, I was going to open it without you. It's, well, like, so, it's, it's
1: got my name on it, I'm not doing anything wrong. So, well, what we did was I opened half <laughs> of it. I opened off of it. And then we both took it out of the package. Sounds yeah. good, that. I'm looking forward to reading that. It looks, quite, uh, it looks very curvy. It, it does, yeah. Doesn't it? It looks very curvy. So thank you very much, Spencer. It's very much appreciated. Thank you very much. And we appreciate you being a demented li- <laughs> devoted <laughs> devoted <laughs> listener. I'm sure he spelt it right. I haven't it Excellent. All right, first up, we're going to cut straight to the emails. Straight into action tonight. Yes. Before we get on with uh, covering Dreadful Birthday, dear Joker. We're going to do something tonight we don't normally do. What? Shut up. Yes, but after that (laughs) we're going to do something that we don't normally do. We're going to skip ahead with the emails and we're going to to cover one today that we received today as we record this. Normally we cover the emails in the order that we receive them unless we have a very real and legitimate reason for not doing so. We have not covered the email about Transformers yet because we're saving that for the episode that we do the Transformers. So we've skipped over that one. And I have that ridiculous rule, don't I, about not reading two emails from the same person in one show? Yeah, so, yeah. But for the most part, we read them in that's, order. That's the only ridiculous rule you have. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I have many, many ridiculous rules. Yep. Normally I break them all. Yeah. As a rule.
0: As a rule, I break my rules. Rules are for breaking. Rules
1: are for break. So
0: does that mean if, as a rule, you don't break your rules, you don't break your rules because then you'd be breaking the rule of not breaking your rules? But as a rule, I break my
1: rules. Every single rule we set down for this show, we have <laughs> broken. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's simply called Bob Kane, and it follows on from what we were talking about two weeks ago, which is why I'm reading it now, why it's still time. It was only one week for us. Yeah. No, two weeks ago, it was in episode one, this is now episode three. Is uh, it? Joker, yeah. This is the third Joker episode. We've only got one what, left.
0: What did we cover last week? Uh,
1: last week, we covered Laughing Fish, Sign of the Joker, Joker's 5 way Revenge. So we do. And the cartoon episode, Laughing Fish. I've, it's all blurred into one. As It, it does eventually, doesn't yeah. it? Do you know you get to a point where you
0: forget what you've covered? The, uh, the episodes behind you just seem like one big, long episode. I love when
1: people email in to say, well, you did an episode on such and such a comic and I sit there, well, did we? If you say so. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Especially if you're going to say it was good. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to say it was crap, then all right, fair enough. That, that, you did this
0: episode that was crap. No, that was that other podcast. That wasn't us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was that, that, was that other two British dudes who do comic book That, that, that was the other podcast you do. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, bazinga! Uh, dear hello, Andrew and Michael, it's from Mike Voyles, who is the creator of Mike's Amazing World website, which I yeah. think is the go to website. I use it quite a bit of for bit. it's brilliant, isn't it? It's the go to website for finding release dates and cover dates. And also for just wiling away an hour just looking at
0: covers. We we did that quite a few times where we want to pick an issue of a series so we just look at covers going, mm-hmm. That one looks good, that one looks good. Yeah,
1: yeah, peel it around we'll just look at Max Amazing World and go, That one Yeah. And I use it for variant covers when doing notes for the show. I, I use it for every week for notes for the show. Mm. This, that's where I get all of my data from, from Mike's <laughs> Amazing World. So, without Mike, we would just Mike be going... Mike the show. Uh, I think this came out. It says March, but I can't find the year. Without Mike, you know, that wouldn't happen. So, Mike's email is about Bob Care. and he says... I finished listening to your latest podcast, The Joker, episode and felt I should comment on your defence of Bob Kane. You make it seem that Kane should not be disrespected because he negotiated a good deal for himself, unlike Siegel and Schuster. As is detailed in the Gerard Jones book, Men of Tomorrow, both Kane and Siegel and Schuster got similar deals when Superman and Batman were created, including ten years of work, which in the Depression era was a pretty good thing. The difference was, at the conclusion of the original deals, long after both Superman and Batman had become megastars, it was time to re-up. Rather than do this, Siegel and Schuster decided to sue. They felt cheated, even though they were pretty well paid for their work up to that point. Kane, on the other hand, used legal shenanigans to secure a better deal for himself. He and his family made his birth certificate disappear. Then claimed he was under age when Batman was created. Thus the validity of his original contract was called into question since a contract signed by a minor was not legally binding. This was complete BS, though, since Kane was actually over 20 when Batman was created. Already embroiled in one legal hassle, thanks to Siegel and Schuster, and still fighting Fawcett in court over the copyright infringement of Captain Marvel, DC probably didn't want another protracted legal battle with Kane over another of their marquee characters. So despite Kane's obvious lies, they gave him a sweetheart deal, making him fabulously wealthy and credited on all Batman work, despite the fact he didn't do crap. He wasn't a brilliant negotiator, as I believe you put it. He was a cheat, liar, and fame whore. I'm not saying that Donenfield and Libovitz were saints or anything, but Kane was a bigger D-bag in my book for claiming to be responsible for everything himself. He continued to take credit for the work of others and profited, whilst Bill Finger drank himself to an early death without getting the credit and compensation he so richly deserved. These are the reasons why Bob Kane should be despised. <laughs> that was a great email. I'll wrap it up before we, we make any comments. Mike continues, wow, that was a bit more of a rant than I intended. I could go back and edit some of it, but I think I will let it stand. In any case, I enjoy your show. Keep up the good work. Well, one thing, getting an email from Mike Ball saying he enjoys the show was hugely gratifying. Because mm-hmm. as I've said, Mike's amazing world is frequently used by us. And as we found out, it's it's the power behind the show. It's the power behind the show, yeah, in many ways. I did not really have anything to add to that. I'd never read Man of, Men of Tomorrow. Mm. I did not know about the birth certificate thing. That is, there's a certain Machiavellian <laughs> ingenuity to that. Yeah. But, you know, I can totally see the point. Yes. So,
0: he just answered your question you asked me last week, but better than I did. Yes, he,
1: he was far more eloquent than you were. He, he knew more than I did. Well, he had knowledge in the background. The moral of this story? Yeah. Read.
0: I did. Everything I told you last week, I knew from reading Super Gods. That's fair enough. So it just
1: depends on what
0: you have read. Was that in,
1: not in Super Gods? Not the birth certificate. Right, but. I would have thought that Morrison would have, would have jumped on that. No. Think, was it published by Warner Books or DC? I don't know. Or was it an independent thing? My I'm independent just wondering if there was a reason he didn't include that little nugget, because that's absolutely fascinating, mm. isn't it? We may have to dig that book up. See, I know a lot more about Lee Kirby and Lee Ditko and stuff, because I was just more interested in that. Mm. I never did any reading on Bob Kane. Yeah. And any reading on Bob Kane that you read in the comics was always sugarcoated. Well,
0: you don't need to do much reading for Lee Ditko and Lee um, Kirby,
1: because Kirby and Ditko created them all. Moving on. <laughs> Our next email tonight is from the mighty Chris Franklin. Chris Franklin had an article in this month's Back Issue magazine. Did it? The Incredible Hulk issue, which is a really good issue. So, okay. Anyway, Chris Franklin says, Christmas swag and other stuff. Still talking about Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) It was some months ago. I know. hello Leyland's. You two got some lovely Christmas swag. Nice to know others are lucky like me and have enabling families who gift them with lots of geeky goodness. Andrew, I understand where you're coming from with the Joker trade paperback. It's a shame Denny O'Neill or someone wasn't asked about the series and the lost issue would have been a coup to have in print. In a similar vein, I received DC's Crisis on Multiple Earths Volume 6, The new DC has definitely skimped on this latest volume. Previous entries in this series included brand new covers by the likes of Alex Ross, Jerry Hardway and George Perez, but this one repurposes a JLA cover by Perez from one of the reprinted issues. Also, there's no intro or pin-ups like in the previous volumes. JLA issue 195 reprinted here originally came with an awesome Perez JLA JSA pin-up showcasing nearly every member of both teams. But it ain't here, even though the reprinted cover for that issue advertises the pin-up in a starburst blurb. Even more criminal is the lack of a proper introduction since the epic five-part JLA-GSA All-Star Squadron crossover from 1982 is reprinted herein. This story was one of the rare ones at that time that crossed over into two titles, JLA and ASS. Better not hyphenate that. It was co-written by Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas, two legends who have never had a problem reminiscing about their past glories. Heck, Roy's the editor of Alter Ego magazine. I'm sure he had a thing or two to say about this story can't help but feel slightly robbed. Yeah, I've witted on about that before, haven't I? Mm. DC. I got, last Christmas, got that Green Lantern, Green Arrow, O'Neill and Adams trade. And I think I went on a tirade about how oh, that didn't yeah. have any, any back matter in either. Basically, egregious about the Green Lantern, Green Arrow one. They had it all. That stuff's been reprinted multiple times. Yeah. With multiple different forewords by the creators and people of influence. Mm. And they couldn't stick any of that in the book. Lizzie DC it. just aren't very good with trades. At the they moment. just don't care, do they? It's no. just throw it out and make some money off it. But they're not on about it. Even the absolutes aren't terribly prestigious anymore, are they? Not really. No. Say that
0: being know. said, you know the one million omnibus and the Doom Patrol omnibus is coming out. They should just take my money. I asked you, did you want that one million omnibus, and you said no. I didn't, but I'd like. It, it no, it wasn't something I wanted. But if the price had come down, it wasn't that I wanted.
1: But somebody wanted to buy it. Mate. Oh yeah, 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 that's what you're saying, more or less. Okay. You guys can ramble on about Doctor Who all you want. Continues Chris. I'm a newbie, but I picked upon the same thing Andrew did. That the Doctor now has a whole new regeneration cycle. I will admit I thought the time of the Doctor was a bit mixed with the first half being a bit hard to follow, but the ending was fantastic and very well written and wonderfully acted. My whole family, especially my 12-year-old son, are very bummed to see Smith go, but we'll give Capaldi a shot. Speaking of Capaldi... Yeah. place Capaldi has debuted his costume. Indeed. It's not so much a costume as a pair of Doc Martens and a long, flowing coat. Yeah. It's all right, Oh, I like how he looks. I think he looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to Capaldi. Based on your recommendation continues, Chris. I checked out the Who True Freak's 50th anniversary special and found it to be a lot of fun. It's a testament to the quality of that episode that such a large assemblage as Geekgum couldn't really find anything bad to say about it. A rare thing indeed. Oh, and a quick correction. The Pod Stallions podcast I mentioned in the letter you read in this episode isn't mine. I'm just friends with one of the guys behind it, Brian Helia. I just wanted to clear that up. It's a fun show, though, and I highly recommend it to any kid of the 70s, early 80s. Look forward to the new year... And a happy new year to your entire clan. Thank you very much, Chris. We'll have something from Chris in this very show. Well, Stay okay. tuned to the trailers, kids. I'm getting good at this teasing thing. Yeah, okay. Our next email is Michael Bailey. Mikey might be in the house. Do you like that? In a house. It might not be our house. <laughs> He's in a house somewhere. Somewhere. Somewhere in a house. He's in a house. <laughs> <laughs> JSA in history. Michael Bailey "Hey mates, I am listening to the latest episode as I sit here at work. Wait for Andy to cheer this bit of irresponsible behavior <laughs> And your talk of the GSA in history got my golden Age sense to tingling. It was one of those rare times where I agreed with Andy for the most part, and then took a left turn off that path. That's a very well. That's a very eloquent way of saying, Andy, "I don't you're agree with you. wrong. <laughs> I love polite people, though <laughs> you. And he's right, uh, my favourite phrase, that the loss of history with the New 52 is regrettable. Michael is also right. My
0: favourite phrase. That the
1: history have been given doesn't feel organic. Yes, changes were made after a crisis on Infinite Earth, Zero Hour and Infinite Crisis, but there was still a sense that there was a history to these characters. So as far as all that goes, I'm on board. The left turn, and notice I don't write that I disagree with you, because I don't. I think this is so much a disagreement as looking at the same thing from two different perspectives. Come with Earth 2. All things being equal, I think Earth 2 and World's Finest are two of the best books being put out by DC today. I was very excited when both were announced, and then again, I'm something of a GSA DC Golden Age Characters fan, so this was to be expected. What I didn't expect is my lack of a problem with the fact that all these characters are no longer tied to World War II, or the 30s, or the past at all. As much as I love All-Star Squadron and Infinity Inc. and the 10-issue JSA run from 1992, and the whole Starman leading into JSA, leading into Justice Society of America run, and as much as I've come to love some of those characters, the fact that remains that it is now 2014. And at some point, the credibility of even a handful of heroes that were adults in 1938, even young ones, is still being around today, gets stretched beyond belief. There's only so much magic and speedfalls and nine lives to be had. Back in the 90s, this was a hurdle, but not an insurmountable one. Now, with the greatest generation sadly starting to pass into history, a nice way to say they are dying off, and so much time passing since World War Two, the only two choices in dealing with those characters are to either have the series featured them be a period piece, which I would be all for, or take those characters and start fresh. But Mike, some would say, why can't the GSA simply be part of history of the New 52 and be referenced but never seen in the present? Because that would add to the sense of false history that is already there. There would be paper heroes and simply telling us what happened without having series showing that, or having some of those characters still kicking, which again presents some problems of its own. Isn't enough. Starting those characters over makes more sense to me, and to be fair, I have enjoyed the series that Robinson started quite a bit. Whilst it's true that the series is based on a history we only got a glimpse of, Robinson has made that history seem real, unlike some bugger-old five-year timeline. We got to see the final stand of the big three in the first issue, and between that and having Power Girl and Huntress running around in their own title, the history of that world rings true for me as a reader. On a similar theme, while I do agree that announcing that a character is gay just to get attention is bothersome, I'm happy to say that Alan is not a gay character, but rather a character who is gay. It hardly comes up at all during the course of the action. It was part of his character that played heavily into him picking up the ring, and I liked what Robinson did there. So again, I agree with you in theory, but in this specific case, I think it's more of a case of Burns' treatment of North Star rather than having a character be something for the sake of being something. Um, see, I don't disagree with anything Mike's writing there. I will, the only thing I, I don't not take issue. Hmm. The only thing I would say is the Alan Scott thing. I think you said that, not me. Yeah. And I think you were. Referencing more DC's publicity of Alan Scotts yeah. coming out rather than the handling in the actual comic. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, that was it. But, you've not read World's Finest, have you? Oh, or yeah. Earth 2. I was just talking about
0: the, the, the hype that created right. around so, it. So,
1: I I fully expect that James Robinson has done a good job with it because James Robinson's a good writer and not a hack. Mike continues, that went on longer than I thought it would. Right, that's it. Keep up the great work. Look forward to more Hey Kids in 2014. Mikey Mike B. Very welcome, Michael. It's always nice to hear from Michael. Finally, in the email section, Hey Kids Comics, Luke Giaconetti's back. It's good to have Luke back. it is. Isn't it? Yeah. Father Time and Baby New Year sign nicknames amongst yourself. With I'll apologies, I'll be Time. you want to be Father Time? Can I be Baby New Year? Okay, then. All right. With apologies to Binky the Clown, this was a fun year ender episode tying a big ribbon on 2013 and the holidays as mooks like me shuffle back to work on January the second. I'm going to break this down into bullets in order to try and keep things somewhat straight. Chris Tyler. I'm right with him on Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Seeing as we were about the same age, that makes sense. Like Chris, my earliest memory of Spider-Man is this series, although in my case it is the episode with Sandman, where Marco discovers Peter's secret identity. My father used to take the series, and my brother and I would watch them over and over. This series was totally a Marvel Prime, as Chris said. To me, the most memorable voice which I still hear in my head, thanks to this show, is the Beatles' metallic staccato voice, you're just kids, boys. <laughs> if that's your first uh, experience of Spider-Man, I mock you in your youth. What was your first experience of spider My first on? experience of Spider-Man as a two-year-old in my high chair watching reruns of the 60s cartoon. Fair enough. My nan has told me that. I was two years old watching that cartoon in my high chair. Fair enough. I used to get scared <laughs> by his mask. Did I, you? Yeah, she said I got a little bit scared of it. But I still couldn't stop watching it because it's Spider-Man dude. Mine was the Fox Kids
0: 90s cartoon. Spider Man! Spider <laughs> yeah. <By the> Man!
1: <laughs> that one. Yeah. That awesome theme, <laughs> It was gnarly, man. <laughs> it was the 90s. <laughs> um, Luke continues The Making of Return of the Jedi. Wow, that first story draft sounds awesome. And you know how much I love Return of the Jedi? I will have to look into this book. Yeah, it's good. I've carried on reading it and it, it's the script bits get a little less interesting as it becomes more the film that we know. But Read Jason Trenner, continues Luke. His madness spreads and makes people turn red. It's the cosmic rust from the Transformers. Would you like the beer pepper too? I don't get that one either. <laughs> Maybe after we've done our Transformers episode. Yeah. with All these references will yeah, make sense. It's like, like, yeah. a, like a switch... You turn the switch on. Yeah, and and it'll all make perfect sense. Yeah, I think so. The Joker issue 10 may not be allowed to be published. The only cancelled comics cavalcade issue I have ever seen in print was the Firestorm issue in the Firestorm Classic Collection. No excuse for not having the back matter in there, but at least it is out there for consumption, unlike a whole slew of other DC stuff from that area. Area... Era. Era, yeah, like thank you. Outrun. Thanks to Michael for name dropping this. I've never heard of Kavansky, but Kavinsky. After Kavinsky, but after listening to the previews, that's what I said. <laughs> after listening to the previews on Amazon, this sounds like some good electronic tunes. As a Sega fan, Outrun was a favorite of mine from my youth, along with its three equally famous arcade board siblings: Hang On, Afterburner, and Space Harrier. I used to play Afterburner. <laughs> I totally used to play Afterburner. I bet you don't even remember no. Afterburner. Okay. Time Lord's changing gender. Let's face facts. This is not really my scene, but to me it's Time Lord versus Time Lady. Let's leave male as male and female as female, even though they can change shape, height, hair colour, skin colour and so forth. Sorry, but biology is biology in my book. Star Trek Into Darkness. I really like the beginning of this film, which reminded me quite a bit of Skyfall, introducing some real-world tensions into the proceedings. And then it all comes off the rails in spectacularly poor fashion. Krakoom. Geeky Christmas Gifts. The boys got quite a lot of superhero stuff, including a pair of Captain America shields, which double as frisbees with handsholds on the back, a pair of Imagine next heroes, Batman with a grappling hook and Aquaman with a robot shark. Because you can't beat a robot shark. What's better than a shark? <laughs> a robot shark. Or a, sh- a robot shark. sharknado. <laughs> <laughs> and a small army of Marvel play school toys, Iron Man, Doctor Doom, Hulk, Captain America, Spider-Man, Lizard, Thor and Wolverine. They also got some cars, cars which they love. The little girl didn't get anything particularly geeky. Though my wife did receive from me a pair of books from her favourite fantasy author Mercedes Lackey and a large tome covering the first 30 years of the soap opera Days of Our Lives. Never watched Days of Our Lives. I don't think he even get shown over here, it I don't know. Thanks for the show. Looking forward to the varied and fun stuff which Volume 3 is sure to deliver. Luke. Well, thank you very
0: much. It's good Luke. to know that just like me, Luke also has a good taste in music. Is it? It's just yeah, like you? Just like me. I, 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 have, a, I have a, excellent... You do. Music. Yes, uh, we're going
1: to knock it on the head there because we want to get into dreadful birthday, dear Joker, part three. Because that's what you're all here for. Yes. Even though this email section is fun, the meat of the show. It's just around the corner. I, w- I wonder if listeners prefer the email bits. What we're covering, I don't know. I don't is know. it
0: ever a week where someone goes, "Oh, the, 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 what the covering's is kind of crap"? I'm not interested. So <laughs> let's listen to the email section.
1: Emails coming up. We've got emails. Tons of emails still in the bag that we're going to get to. Kyle Benning, D Main, Robert Ludwig, W Blaine Dowler, Bobby Koclik, Grunval, Spencer Thompson, Davis Zamora, and Chris Franklin comes back, as of course does. Luke, Jack, and Etty. We'll be right back after this commercial message from Chris Franklin. See, this week I know where the trailer's going to be. <laughs> I'm such a professional broadcaster. You are. Hey, Back in the boat. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am
0: back. You need to take the trash out. Hey, I'm trying to make a trailer for a podcast. Oh, you mean Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast? Why, yes, that is what I mean. The show where you and I discuss all things geeky. Comics, TV, movies, books, you name it.
1: Well, are you going to tell them that you can
0: find the show at www.supermatescomic.blogspot.com? Well, I think you kind of already did. And that new shows will be posted bi-weekly, every two weeks? I was, but you just kind of did that too. Well, see, now you can go take out the trash. Great. So join us, Cindy, and Chris, Franklin, for the Supermates of the Husband and Wife Geek Cast at supermatescomic.blogspot.com.
1: Ah, 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 don't touch that remote. I know it's heartbreaking to have your favorite shows preempted, but look what you're getting instead. Me! and a whole truckload of mindless violence and wanton property damage. Everything that makes TV great. So stay tuned, you won't believe your eyes. If the 70s saw the Joker return to a more homicidal nature, there were still elements of whimsy to the character. Whilst he may kill you should you get on his bad side, or his funny side, or indeed his left side, for the most part the Joker was a pretty straight shooter with his employees and foes. Even so, his star rise to such a height that he received the ultimate accolade, his own continuing series, the first for a villain. Shackled though it was by the Comics Code Authority's insistence that the Joker end up incarcerated at the conclusion of every story, the series did manage to deliver the goods in terms of fun, slightly wacky Joker stories. The series, essentially a Joker team-up book, sees the clown prince escaping every month, normally due to some transgression by an ex-associate, teaming up with another villain, or challenging a different hero, only to be caught and jailed again by the end of the story. To be fair, the formulaic nature of the series, and the fact that the Joker was quite toned down, even by 70s standards, may have led to the title's quick demise, just as much as CCA guidelines, but the series is fondly remembered, and having recently read it myself, I can attest that it's a fun run. It's very Bronze Age in terms of the art and the tone, but if you're a fan of that era of comics, there is much to like in the series, including the notion that the Joker has a secret lure underneath Arkham Asylum, allowing him to come and go as he pleases, and he has a mobile ho-ho-home, complete with Joker decals to ride around in like a malevolent partridge family. Depicted as more than a little whimsical, he commits many varied and bizarre crimes, only kills sporadically, and even then, only when it amuses him to do so. And some of the team-ups are surprisingly good. My personal favourite was issue number seven, Luther, You're Driving Me Sane, a fun romp in which Luther robs the Joker of his insanity. Also notable are team-ups with Sherlock Holmes, kind of, and confrontations with the Creeper, Green Arrow, Catwoman, and, most obviously, the Royal Flush Gang. Perhaps most surprising, over the nine-issue run, the Batman never appears once. Nevertheless, perhaps feeling that the Joker had been oversaturated, DC returned the malevolent Mountbatten to being an annual thorn in Batman's side. Whilst he may have cropped up in team-up titles occasionally, his appearances in the main Batman books were limited to the four-part Where Were You the Night Batman Was Killed in 1977 and Laughing Fish Sign of the Joker from 1978 covered in last week's episode. Going into the 1980s, the Joker was nowhere near as ubiquitous as he used to be, to the character's benefit. The 1980s would be a defining decade for the character, and as this is where I was coming into my own as a comic book reader, the decade of some of my favourite stories, some of which have rarely, if ever, been reprinted. Next week, Michael gets to pick a couple of his favourites, but this week, it's Mitre. And we kick off with a bona fide classic that has been reprinted many times. One of those times was in the Batman Annual 1982, which boasted a fantastic cover by Brian Bolland of the Batman, in extreme close-up, clutching a Joker playing card on a rooftop whilst in the background the Joker appears pointing a gun at Batman's back. Dreadful birthday, dear Joker, was published in Batman issue 321. Three, two, one. Ted Rogers' gag for British people of a certain age. Cover dated March 1980. It was written by Len Wein with art by Walt Simonson, Dick Giordano. Letters were by Ben Oda and colours by Glynis Ween. The colourist was not Paul Levitt. He was the editor. I just read the comic wrong. <laughs> The cover by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. We are contractually obliged to say, praise, praise be him. his name. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, it's, it's simply one of the best Joker covers ever. You are cordially invited to the Joker's birthday, a banner under the DC Bullet states. As we look down, we see the Batman, Robin, Commissioner Gordon and Alfred all tied to giant fireworks which are burning atop an equally giant cake featuring the Joker's grinning face. The Joker himself is addressing the reader, one hand gesturing at the cake, the other beckoning us as he says, And you're all welcome to watch the fireworks! The colours, the art, the inclusive nature of the Joker inviting us to voyeuristically watch the death of the Batman plus Garcia Lopez's magnificent rendering of the maleficious mirthmaker, all make this cover worth framing. One of the objectives for this season has been to showcase some definitive Joker artists. And so far we've had Neil Adams, Brian Bolland and Marshall Rogers. Garcia Lopez deserves to be in that category. Such a shame he didn't draw the interior. Did you like that cover, Michael? Yeah. Excellent. Moving on. (laughs) I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. He's not... They're not on the cake that he stands on in the comic, are they? No. In this one, it's the Joker's face, and they're tied to... Is that crucifixes? It does look a little bit like it. I mean, do you know, I have owned this comic since about 1981, 1982-ish. Maybe 1983-ish. They're about... It's early 80s, let's say. And I've never noticed that they're on crucifixes. Maybe it's entirely possible people just didn't notice. Because we never did. True, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Joker looked magnificent on that car. I love that car. The bat signal is alight upon the rooftop as Commissioner Gordon strides into the Gotham City Police Department HQ. Checking his mail whilst awaiting the arrival of the Batman, Gordon receives an invitation to the Joker's birthday party, Funny Hats Mandatory. Discarding the invite contemptuously, first Gordon and then the entire floor suddenly start laughing uncontrollably as the Joker strides in. But... Timing as impeccable as ever, the Batman chooses this exact moment to announce his arrival. Dispatching the Joker's goons with alacrity, the Batman turns to see the Joker abduct Gordon and make a hasty retreat in the Joker-mobile. Without the Batmobile, they are lost, but Gordon is not the only victim of the Joker's madness this night. The reason for Gordon's summons is then related to the Batman. Robin was witnessed aiding a young damsel earlier, only for the damsel to be revealed to be the Joker in disguise. Joker in disguise. With Gordon and Robin gone, the Batman wonders, how do you second guess a madman? The Joker, however, isn't waiting around for the Batman to find him. No sorry, Bob. He's already at Wayne Foundation, where his next reluctant invitee awaits, Alfred Pennyworth. A quick in-out and a quick hello with a boxing glove to Selena Kyle, who was waiting Bruce Wayne, and the Joker is away. But to what end? Ah, oh, dear listeners, the Joker's plan takes shape. At his nearby ha-ha-hacienda, the Joker has gathered a number of people who have ever wronged him as unwilling participants in his birthday shenanigans. A birthday set to go with a bang for the Joker's victims, all tied to a firework atop a giant birthday cake and the piece de resistance an audience the Joker has placed an advert in the newspaper for the Harlequin Baking Company offering to show free samples an advert that will lead the Batman right to him the big night arrives and the crowds swarm in, lured by the promise of something for nothing. They are awarded by a paralysing gas and with his captive audience, the Joker reveals himself, not like that, and his guests all tied to incendiary candles, merely awaiting his touch on the detonator. The Batman, of course, is already here and allows Joker to tie him to the top candle, if the Joker frees the other guests. The Joker, of course, lies, allowing the Batman to activate his escape, a little something he prepared earlier. Acting quickly, the Batman removes his bonds, but the Joker hits that button and the candles start fizzing. A quick batarang and the bonds cutting the Joker's victims are severed, saving them from imminent danger, and Robin is freed with another batarang. Robin takes an active hand in the proceedings, taking out some goons as the Batman chases the Joker who flees to the docks. Jumping a speedboat, the Joker makes his escape, but the Batman pursues, causing the Joker to lose control. The Batman leaps free as the boat crashes into the rocks, leaving the world to ponder if the Joker is really gone this time.
0: No, he isn't. Do
1: you know, I've just had a thought. Yeah. Do you know those An Audience With shows ITV used to do? Yeah. an audience with the Joker would actually be worth watching it probably would certainly much more than an audience with Barry Manilow <laughs> I would imagine
0: would w- they be the ones where Piers Morgan interviews them
1: no could you god, imagine Piers no. Morgan interviewing the Joker oh please <laughs> god let Piers Morgan interview the Joker just so the Joker shoots him <laughs> on live television
0: I'd pay to watch that that's the one crime Batman would let happen <laughs>
1: No, in battle number one when he stays at home <laughs> to let somebody die. Who's <laughs> Piers Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's threatening that guy on live television, Batman. Uh, oh Robin, it's only Piers Morgan. Listening to War of the World <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> this fantastic comic. I'm, I'm not burying I'm not burying the lead on this one, <laughs> am I? I love this. This is marvellous. Um, I presume Commissioner Gordon is out in the rain because he's just gone out for some smokes rather than this being a mistake. Why has he not gone up to the roof That's that's exactly my point. He's lit the bat signal. He's waiting for Batman. Do you know it's a little bit rude of him to not be on the roof? What if Batman arrives and nobody's there (laughs) and he arrives and goes, oh, I've been stood up. I've been stood up. There's a bird landing on the bat signal by error. Set it off. Nobody wants me. Nothing happening. I'll just go home then. And God gets through and they miss each other. Ships in the night, man. You know, it's very rude, Commissioner. Where's your etiquette? Maybe, protocol. Maybe, maybe
0: it's... Um, there's a switch. It's electronic. So <laughs> lit it as he's going up.
1: Right, okay. Fair enough. Oh, oh, that's a terrible oh, no it's prize. A, yeah, it's not one of your bets, <laughs> is it? Let's be frank. I, you know, I, I only work with what I've got. And you, yeah, that's that's rude. And, yeah. Quite frankly, rude. Page two has another tiny little plot error. It's a good job <laughs> I love this <laughs> issue, isn't <laughs> it? For all the mistakes I'm pointing out. If God knows here... ...that Robin has been kidnapped... ...which he does... ...because we find out on page four... ...that's why he summoned Batman... Mm -hmm. ...then surely the invite from the Joker... ...is a clue about Robin's whereabouts... ...and why the Joker wants him... ...and Police Commissioner Gordon... ...a detective... ...wouldn't just chuck that in the bin... ...no... ...it makes sense to me that... ...well... ...As uh,
0: Commissioner Gordon... ...a police officer... ...surely he would have taken that... ...and gone to the, the... ...the lab... With a armed forces unit and
1: arrest the Joker. Yes. Yeah. Well, he doesn't actually say where the Joker's birthday party is on the invite, but he knows something's going down. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I and He knows something's that's happened also to what Robin. He doesn't seem just thrown away. Yeah, well. <laughs> that, that's another thing as well. He knows something's happened to Robin. Yeah. He knows that Robin was kidnapped by the Joker. Yeah. He has just received an invite from the Joker. To his birthday party. Now, I'm not a detective, but those, to me, would seem to be pretty important clues yeah. as to what the Joker's up to this time. But Commissioner Gordon <laughs> chucks it in the bin. Oh, I don't need no evidence. I've got Batman doing my job for me. Why
0: well, would you need evidence when Batman does it? Okay? Yeah, when Batman arrives. <laughs> Police work.
1: Just phone Batman. Yeah, because has got a problem. Odds against you. Call the Batman. Better call Batman. <laughs> Put of Carl Saul advert all round town with pictures of Batman on them. <laughs> that would that would be that would be very funny. I
0: know what Joker's doing. What? Just trying to plan a birthday party. Or, or if the Joker's innocent and literally wants it. Yeah, <laughs> to it's just to he really, literally.
1: This was his olive branch. <laughs> this was him saying, I'm gonna go good. I'm inviting you on my birthday. I'm turning over a new leaf. And Commissioner Gordon <laughs> mocks him by chucking it
0: into the bin. Yep. It's it's all Gordon's fault. Every death. This is why he targets Commissioner
1: Gordon (laughs) from this point on. This is why the Killing Joke happens. This is why No Man's (laughs) Land happened. If Commissioner Gordon had just gone to his (laughs) birthday party, the Joker would be reformed now. Yeah. Oh. Bloody hell. You know you've ruined the Joker <laughs> comics for the rest of time now. Is that it? Is that our Joker series over with now? <laughs> yeah, the end. <laughs> Page three. Excellent Joker panel by Simonson and Giordano, immediately offset by the Jokermobile. Which I can't decide is either astonishingly cool or goofy as hell. I like the Joker-mobile. It takes some balls for a criminal to drive around <laughs> in a vehicle that points them out. It probably is a little bit of both, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It is a little bit goofy and a little bit cool. It, it, it does kind of announce yeah. that I'm here. This one is the Batmobile? For an urban legend. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yes, good point. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Batman's wearing his rebreather on page three to avoid the laughing gas that the Joker has released in the Gotham City Police Department. I always liked that rebreather. Little little plug thing that just sticks in his mouth. Yeah. Multi purpose. Stops gas, lets him breathe underwater. It's pretty cool. Mm. I quite like it. I always thought it was pretty good. Batman bursting in through the window of Gotham City Police Department and the Joker's reaction to same is as cool as hell. And the way he turns into the goons is just brilliant. And I love the line from the rather the porky goon mm. Lord, he's as crazy as the boss! I like that line. Next page, we get an in story flashback of the police. I pres- I'm going to call him O'Hara. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it is O'Hara, but I'm going to call him Chief O'Hara. Explaining to Batman Bigora um, the Joker has kidnapped Robin, which is a really funny couple of panels. As a kid, I didn't know what taffy was, though. The Joker captures Robin with taffy on our tyre. Super sticky taffy. Mm. Apparently, it's toffee. Yeah. So now you know. I didn't know. Did you know I didn't? Because when I was a kid, taffy was a derogatory name for a Welshman. Ah. <laughs> so so there's me thinking, the Joker got a Welshman to kidnap I'm Robin. him him Oh. <laughs> That's, that's even a bit gross um, speaking of Robin and before we mock this scene too much you know where the protege of the world's greatest detective doesn't spot the Joker in drag let's just point out that this was the era of comics whereby Batman could completely disguise himself cowl cape and all with a simple Mission Impossible style mask mm. so we'll give Robin a pass there <laughs> for not spotting the Joker in drag I just you know what I think here. Joker's a redhead. Yeah. Who else is a redhead in the Batman mythos who Robin has a bit of a wooden for? Ah, Batgirl. Barbara Gordon. Mm. Oh, that's
0: totally what it was. Subtle that as well. Or, or maybe it was just that Dick likes redheads. Doesn't everybody. Well, uh, is, is this not the issue that Grant Morrison first read as a
1: child and went, you know what? It one can't day... be because he's much older than me and this was one of my first issues as a child. I actually think I first read this in that 1982 annual to be honest with you. Uh. So I must have got the issue a little bit further down the line. I know I didn't buy this off the rack. Mm. Well, what well, I don't get as well as Batman
0: doesn't know yet. Is there not any communication between Batman and Robin?
1: Well, he's not going to have phoned him and said,
0: Ah, oh, the Joker's caught me! Is no, it? but would Batman not have known if,
1: if something's happened to Dick? No, because this was another example of what I've talked about before. When I was growing up, Robin was a supporting character in the Batman titles. Yeah. They weren't regular partners at this point. Robin's buggered off on his own. So it's like the animated series. Yes, where... he's off at college yeah. doing his own thing. He pops back to Gotham every now and again. Like in Laughing Fish, not Laughing Fish, Melee Penguin and Deadshot Ricochet. Yeah. Robin's just popped back to say hi and have a couple of days off or whatever. Mm. And then he buggers off back to college. I do love that the Joker in this storyline captures everyone but Batman. Yeah, Because he wants Batman to find him. And that's part of the game mm. that he's playing. I thought it was really quite good. He doesn't invite Batman. He never goes out of his way to find Batman. Or even leave that many clues as to what's going on, really. Apart from one huge big one yeah. that we'll mention later on. There's a two-page interlude on page seven and eight. Which is a minor subplot. Alert. Nothing major. But at this point, Selina Kyle was trying to go straight. And she and Bruce were in a relationship. Not she and Batman. She and Bruce. Lucius Fox shows up briefly in his role as the guy who does all the real work at Wayne Foundation. And Alfred is here because this is the era in which Bruce lived in the penthouse apartment in the city. The Joker, when he arrives here, initially thinks he's interrupted a Catwoman scam, unaware of Selina's noble intentions. And he rewards her by punching her in the face with a big boxing glove that he happens to have in his hat. Oh no, it's in the flowers, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, so it's in the
0: flowers. How does he... is it inflatable? Yeah, I presume so. Fair he's he's
1: going to be loaded with
0: gags like that, isn't he? I mean, at least he didn't kill her. He's got a snake as well in his sleeve.
1: Yeah, yes, he does, doesn't he? And to be fair, Catwoman does kick the crap out of the Joker's goons. So yeah. she, gets, she makes a good showing of it. Even if the Joker shows up and punches her in the face. Seems a bit... Um, I don't like women getting hit in the face. Not one of my bags, man. Um, I do want to know exactly what Bruce Wayne's butler has done to get on the Joker's shit list. Um, he made a bad cup of tea. <laughs> the Joker likes coffee, damn it! Mm-hmm. Uh, the Joker keeps all his victims at the ha ha hacienda, which explains why later on Batman doesn't free them all when he rigs the candle. He never finds out where the Joker's lure is in this story. Mm-hmm. Kind of implying that the Joker does know how to go undercover when he needs to, despite driving around in the Jokermobile. Yeah. <laughs> There are also, did you notice this, there are a ton of people strapped to the candles. Who we never even who mentioned. we never even mentioned, we don't know who they are. The Joker's pissed off at an awful lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Is the moral of this story. And like you say, we never found out why. No. And it's not really, it doesn't really matter, does it? They just are. Yeah, it's not relevant to the story. Page nine. The Joker's henchman doesn't laugh at the Joker's gags. So, of course, he's toast. Mm. We didn't see that coming. It's funny... If a little bit derivative of Laughing Fish, where he shoots him with one of those guns and the thing comes out saying, bang, you're dead. And then the guy looks at it, and the Joker shoots him point blank in the face. I like those guns. So he's blown his head clean off. Well, it's like a dart thing,
0: isn't it? He's still blown his, he's still put it in his brain. Mm. On panel. I, I like those little flag guns. I mean, they use an awful lot. By the Joker. Well, by a lot of people who do Joker stories, but I, I still quite like them. Yeah, they are. I'm
1: not objecting to it. Mm. It does seem like it is going to become a standard gag. Yeah, after and it has and become. it does become a standard gag. Yeah, the Joker killing off his hench goons. Page ten, as we saw in the case of the Red Hood, Batman gloats here that the Joker has made his first mistake with the newspaper ad. But one, the Harlequin Bakery Company. Isn't that big of a clue to misinterpret mm. for the world's greatest detective? Yes. Yeah. And B, the Joker wants Batman to find him. So it's not a mistake. No. It's not a mistake then, is it, Batman? No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Do, you, this is happy birthday to your Joker, isn't it? Dreadful. Yeah. But so we're, we're, we're slagging off Batman mm. in this one. Yes. We're on the Joker's side.
0: What I, I don't get is how so many people show up to this event just because of that one free sample. Yeah. I mean, it, isn't it a bit? Ba- yeah, it's a bakery thing, isn't it? Yes. And let's be honest, bakery isn't that big of a deal. Regardless of free samples or not, they have free samples at Costco. That isn't well.
1: <laughs> so what you're saying is, if the Joker had held his birthday party at Costco, <laughs> <laughs> he would have got more people through the door. Probably. <laughs> You know, that that would actually be amusing. The Joker at Costco. That's, that's a fair point, yeah. It does only say, a free sample. I can't imagine that many people showing up for a free croissant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't strike me as something that would happen. But you never know. Maybe Gotham City's starved for croissants. <laughs> maybe it's just not very... Every single member of Gotham wants a yeah, croissant. Yeah, maybe it's just not a very cosmopolitan place, dude. <laughs> So you know, uh, yeah, all the people show up at the Harlequin Bakery Show, which is a big dome in the middle of Gotham City. Did you notice that it is shaped like one of those things? Yeah, you pull it lift off a, platter, off a yeah. platter of food. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why the Joker picked it. I thought that was quite quite clever. So they have a massive
0: stadium committed to only bakery. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's Gotham. They man. really do like those Gotham's. <laughs> I've got to say, I do love the Joker's showmanship on page 12. It's all about the grandiose gesture. Lots of style and alarm, darling. He's not just a mass murderer. This Joker has class and a sense of the absurd. Theatricality and deception are powerful agents. That was more Mishmurray, Brennan than Bane, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? What a lovely voice. You should have respected my authority. <laughs> um... Alright, something else that doesn't make a great deal of sense, if you actually sit and think about it. So the Batman sneaks in the night before. Yeah. He rigs the top candle, correctly deducing that the top spot is reserved for him. That's a big ego the Batman's got. He has got a huge (laughs) ego, but setting that to one side for a minute, it does beg the question, why doesn't he rig the other candles while he's there? Uh, Wouldn't that have made sense? He, he wanted
0: to create a certain sense of believability in the Joker's plan.
1: Theatricality and deception <laughs> are powerful agents. Yes. So the Batman's doing it now as well. He is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, alright. Fair, Fair enough. enough. That seems fine. It does cover up another loose end. There is a night in between the Joker's birthday party and the kidnappings where Batman doesn't seem to do anything. Mm. And this here does explain that he spent last night rigging this rather than doing bugger all. Maybe he was at home listening to War of the Worlds <laughs> on the radio, who knows. I suppose he could have been off with the JLA or having a Brave and the Bold adventure. Yeah, yeah. You know, why Why Robin's caught by the Joker, <laughs> potentially being tortured to death. That's, that's when he has his days off. Yeah, he's yeah. off enjoying a, a mission with Plastic Man. It's, it's, it's
0: like when parents go <laughs> off and leave the children. That's that's
1: what Batman does when uh, Robin's been kidnapped. Well, it was on Daft fault for liking Redheads, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? I do wonder as well. Is this word that give Batman enough time and he can plan his way out of anything myth started? Because that's what this is. Yeah, he's got enough time to plan all of this ahead. Mm. He doesn't think his way out of this problem in the moment. He's already set all of this up. Yeah. I don't know if that's where this began. But it certainly seems like a plausible idea. The final action sequence is brief but fun. Most Joker action scenes do tend to be brief as over the years it's been established that the Joker is no real opponent for the Batman in hand-to-hand combat. Mm. He's not a fisticuffs kind of guy. All in all, uh, a really good done-in-one Joker featuring some absolutely fantastic art from Simonson and some tight scripting with the minor caveats that we've pulled (laughs) Pulled apart as we've gone through it. This was a fine way to start a new decade. As usual, for a comic of this vintage, it is possible to pick a few holes. A few, just a few, such as you know why was Gordon outside the building if the bat singles on the roof? Why did Batman not regard the candles to not work if he was there earlier? But the story rattles along at a fast pace, and it's easy to just let these wash over you and bask in the glorious Simonson artwork. The Joker is back to being just insane in this story, and whilst the themes may be similar to Batman Issue 1, perhaps betraying the formulaic nature of a standard Joker story, one gets the impression that the Joker's just having fun here. He only kills one person, that's how good a time he's having. What I particularly like is that, with the exception of the end where master planner Batman comes to the fore, the Joker is one step ahead of the caped crusader throughout this entire story. And even then, the Batman only finds him because the Joker wants to be found. After all, what's the Joker's birthday without the Batman? The ending is, again, another of those Joker is believed to be dead, but there's no body, so we don't believe it conclusions. But there's not many other ways to end a Joker story, really, other than just packing him off to Arkham. Also worth commenting on, the Batman saves everybody in this issue, except the henchman the Joker kills. Compare that to the man who laughed two weeks ago. Well, did he save anybody? No. Not, not
0: even himself.
1: Other than the reservoir. Yeah, he didn't even save himself, did he? Mm-hmm. Got himself Joker toxined <laughs> in that story. World's greatest detective, my ass. What did you think of it, Michael?
0: I enjoyed it, but... With, with those minor caveats... <laughs> did you enjoy it in a... she's alright for a Bronze Age comic kind yeah, of it, way. It, it was
1: enjoyable. I, I, I
0: wouldn't say it, it was great,
1: it, but it was enjoyable. See, I love Dreadful Birth, idiot Joker, but again is this not the golden age of comics? Is ten or twelve or whatever it was. Yeah. If I read this in, 19, in Batman Annual 1982, I'll have been ten years old mm. when I first read Dreadful Birthday, Dear Joker. And it is one of them that I read and read and read and read. Yeah. And I love it. I think this is a fantastic issue. But I can see that it, it is formulaic. Mm. It is a standard Joker plot elevated by the fact that it's as mad as a bag of cats... And the artwork's brilliant. Yeah. But, well, I mean, I think we talked about this last week. Am I prejudiced by the stuff you love when you're ten years old? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Being a comic of the late 1970s, early 80s, there's some great ads in this issue. Corgi has the superhero cars ad, which brought back a flood of memories. Well, I we, have... Uh, we used to have some we of We did. I have the Batmobile. And the Bat helicopter. I had the Batcopter, yes. Because I used
0: to play with it. Um, my, I
1: broke it. Yes, you did. I had the Cycle. Did you? Yeah, I did have the... But did you not get that? No, I don't so think that so. So did the Batcycle not make it to you? No. Right. I think the Batmobile did. And I know the yeah. Batcopter did. Because you played with it. I also have the Daily Planet helicopter. I think it's been mentioned on, on a show before. I think it was Michael Bailey. But I can't remember to be sure. So forgive me if I'm wrong. But the Daily Planet has a van that drives <laughs> yeah. around Metropolis that reveals Superman's <laughs> secret ID whoops <laughs>
0: don't I like how the Joker's driving some kind of sports car van yeah it
1: doesn't look anything like the Joker in this comic does it despite no. the fact the Joker mobile in this comic would make an excellent corgi talk what Superman driving some kind of oh, jet submarine yeah, that car. is actually in a comic the supermobile, yeah. He has to drive that because he's going into an area of space that's surrounded by kryptonite. Right. And uh, they actually wrote that into a comic. It does look like it's a submarine car jet. Yes. I do frequently wonder why Wonder Woman and Shazam need a car. Or indeed why Superman needs a van. Maybe, maybe Wonder Woman... The... an A-team van. Yeah.
0: I pity the fool think Wonder Woman's car turns invisible
1: that would be awesome do you know another thing about Superman having an 18 team Yeah. but he didn't like to fly and I ain't getting on no cape <laughs> why Why does Superman need
0: four vehicles d- I mean d- yeah Batman has three but yeah but Batman needs
1: vehicles
0: what's What's that police car at the top it's just a metropolis ah, police right, car right.
1: that uh, you could use for crashing and stuff when you used to play generally
0: what's the, what's the little dune buggy with the it's the valve? penguin Oh, penguin is it? car, yeah, it's right. got an
1: umbrella on it. Gotcha. It's a penguin mobile. Uh, there's a 1980 Chevy Camaro as the model kit of choice. Looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is pretty cool in that mm-hmm. advert, though, is it? I don't know. No, does look pretty cool. only the Chevy Camaro looks alright. Uh, Hawkman Hawks hostess cupcakes with what looks like Kurt Swan artwork. I bet you can't guess how that ends. Uh, do they all eat hostess cupcakes? They all eat hostess cupcakes. They were a bit formulaic those ads, weren't they? <laughs> I want one that ended with them not eating those cupcakes. I want one where the person at hostess cupcakes that had peanuts in it. <laughs> and they were allergic to peanuts! <laughs> that would be a Joker hostess cupcake ad! <laughs> the Joker laughing at the end that he just killed him with hostess cupcakes! <laughs> <laughs> um, oh and
0: people God. allergic to peanuts across the globe swear <laughs> never to eat a Hossies cupcake again. Hostie's <laughs> cupcakes out of business Have their faults. I'm I'm now now the fault Simon the
1: Yes. Yes. So the next time we go to America these cupcakes will be ours. Oh yes. Mm. And Ding Dongs and Ho Ho's. I prefer Twinkies myself. Do you? Oh yeah. I prefer cupcakes. Twinkies and those Ho Ho's. <laughs> well yes. Yes. We, we have mentioned <laughs> <laughs> putting the out our Ding Dongs in Ho yes. Superman Family hit issue 200 which was a great cover and actually a great issue. I've got that one. Uh, Roar Spielberg flop 1941 got a double page ad. Which is a film I have never seen, so I can't say if its reputation is deserved or not. And Starman, by what looks like Steve Ditko, debuts in Adventure Comics. Batman shields his words in a subscription ad with art by what looks like Jim Aparo. And the Super Friends, Batman and Plastic Man all have their own cartoons on competing networks. Twelve Superstar Talents brought you the DC Superstar Holiday Special. And there's an excellent letters page and a Daily Planet page. Ask the Answer Man is still running. And the best question this month is who is taller, Batman or Captain America?
0: Captain America.
1: I don't know about you, but I stayed awake at night wondering the answer to that question. I can't believe we've just gone past the, the greatest
0: advert in the. What's the
1: greatest advert in the? Sea Monkeys, man. Oh, yeah, there's a Sea Monkeys advert, and the advert for soldiers at the back now. They've, they've polished off the Revolutionary War, they've polished off the Civil War, they've polished off World War 2 We're now up to hawking Roman soldiers. <laughs> Running out of walls (laughs) at this point for us to sell soldiers for. Think think model
0: companies
1: are uh, funding wars. (laughs) So they can sell little models. (laughs) Uh, The final uh, back page is an advert for Star Trek The Motion Picture which my wife refers to as Starship Porn but I think is a much underrated sci-fi flick and one that has aged magnificently. Is it not the the pajama one? Yes, it is the pajama one. I love it, I don't care what anyone says. (laughs) Nothing wrong with Star Trek The Motion Picture. No one on the enterprise
0: could be bothered getting dressed. On that day. It was a lazy Sunday. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Sunday on the Enterprise, so they were all in the pajamas. And then Vija attacked. And Kirk's like, but my uniform's at home! And Spock's all like, oh well, that is illogical for you to walk around in your pajamas all day, Captain. And Spock's like, Kirk's like, but you're in yours!
0: Yeah, it's just illogical to turn back and get changed, Captain.
1: <laughs> I could be looking in the blue scanner thing. <laughs> Mr. Lister, sir. Uh. <laughs> oh, dear me. The Joker kept to the annual theme, and it would be over a year before the Harlequin of hate serviced again in the Joker's Rumpus Room Revenge in Detective Comics issue 504, a jolly good little tale first read by me in the 1984 UK Superheroes Annual, with no explanation for how he survived. This, more than anything, shows how the comics readership has changed over the years. Can you imagine killing the Joker today and then bringing him back without even mentioning it? In fact, this story even states that the Joker was in Arkham until three nights ago. Nowadays, comic readers' heads would explode if they did this. Another six months rolled by before he showed up again in DC Comics Presents, World's Finest Comics and Finally the Brave and the Bold, before finally landing back in Batman in issue 553, cover dated November 1982. Last Laugh was written by Jerry Conway with art by, we are contractually obliged to say, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, name. and Dan Atkins. Again, Ben Oda and Adrian Roy handled the letters and colours respectively, and Len Ween was now the editor. The cover, also by Garcia Lopez praise be his name, has Batman tied to Mount Rushmore-type mountain with the Joker's face rather than General Zod. The Joker, with a ton of TNT strapped to the mountain's face, yells, That's our best! Looks like this'll be our final face-off! It's not as good as issue 321's cover, but the musculature on the Batman is very impressive. It's very ripped. On that cover, isn't it? Is it not Mount Jokemore? <laughs> very good. I like that. That's funny. Do you like that cover? Yeah. Good, that one, isn't it? Mm. I prefer Dreadful Birthday Dear Joker. yeah Yes.
0: They're, they're both very similar.
1: You know what puts me off this one? Cool. The sky is yellow
0: <laughs> and the sea is green. Well, I, I, the sea might be green in somewhere like
1: Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true <laughs> pollution as yeah. we mentioned in Joker's 5 yeah, yeah this yeah. is all Batman's fault yeah yeah, yeah it's all Batman's fault there is also a free 16 page comic preview Masters of the Universe
0: right in the middle of the story yes
1: awesome Superman Absolutely. meets He-Man though it was pretty cool it was did you read it, <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> Excellent, good. Comprehensive cover, that's what we offer here yes. on Hey Kids Comics. The Joker is back and he's pissed off, and this time it's nothing to do with the Batman. Apparently Gotham City has had the temerity to erect a statue to the great song and dance men of musical stage and screen, but not to the greatest comedic mind of our time. Of our time. An insult to the Joker will not brook! The next day, Bruce Wayne and photojournalist Vicky Vale are in attendance as historic Gotham landmark, the Gotham Central Station, is to be destroyed, all by computer, as they want to keep the facade of the building intact. However, when the button is pressed, the computer fizzes and pops, and on the screen appears the sign of the Joker. The Batman deduces that the Joker would only steal a demolition computer from a construction site if he was planning a little construction work of his own, and his investigations lead him to discover that ten acres on the Palisades were recently purchased by a Harlan Quinn. The Joker's really not putting any effort into this anymore, is he? The location at the cliff edge is dynamited and attached to a radio control fused, but so engrossed in his investigations is the Batman that he fails to see the Joker behind him, who fires a drugged dart from a crossbow. The Batman awakens strapped to a cliff face, a cliff face about to be a Joker face. The computer has calculated precisely where the Joker needs to bomb to make his own version of Mount Rushmore in Gotham. And Batman can be a part of the display. With the Joker preoccupied with the testament to his own vanity, the Batman busts his bonds, frees one hand and uses a jamming device he prepared earlier, figuring the Joker would use the computer for something. Free of his bonds, the Batman strikes, but in the fight with the latest round of expendable goons, the Joker fires another dart from his crossbow, this time hitting the jammer and setting off the explosives. Unable to prevent it, the Joker and the Batman dive into the sea to escape and surface to see the Joker's mad grin stirring down on them. The Joker has won. Sadly, before he can gloat, the monument crumbles into the sea, the jammer having disrupted the signals just enough. The opening two pages... Of this particular story. Make it seem like the Joker is just goofing around on the target range. But his proficiency with the crossbow will play an important part in the story. And make something at the end slightly more credible. Only slightly. Slightly is enough. Is it? Is that enough for you? Yeah. Alright, fair enough. Welcome to the obligatory Joker kills a henchman scene. This time he kills him with a snake that he apparently keeps in the sleeve of his jacket. I thought that was funny. It doesn't seem a very safe place to keep a snake, though. In your sleeve. Would that bother the Joker? No, because if an issue that we're going to be covering next week is to be believed, the Joker has developed such an immunity to all the toxins that he's inhaled over the years that his blood is now toxic. Mm. So... If the snake bit the Joker, the snake would come out of it worse. Yeah, yeah. So There's a lot of gunk floating around, though. There is. There is an awful lot of silliness floating around in the Joker's bloodstream. The Joker's plan in this issue doesn't actually seem to involve Batman at all. He leaves no clues, except the computer screen with his face on it when he steals the computer, to what he's up to. He genuinely seems to want to get away with this. That being said, the alias Harlan Quinn seems a bit obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Harlan Quinn. Unless he went after Harley Quinn. Yeah. I wonder if that's where they got it from. Could be. I wonder if Paul Dini read this comic and thought that's a good name and stored it in the back of his mind for future reference. There are a ton of subplots in this comic. Subplot number one. Arthur Reeves was a councilman Thorne in Batman's side, being in possession of photos that proved Batman was a Gotham gang boss. This turned out to be a ploy of boss Rupert Thorne, who pretended he was supporting Reeves, but was, in actuality, supporting his opponent. Page five, where the Batman brings in Reeves, is a sublime piece of artistry. I particularly like him crouching on top of the Justice Cleaners, Mm. which I thought was an excellent name for a dry cleaning shop, although it looks like at the front of a cinema... Yeah. more than a dry cleaner. And I love the next panel where he stood on it and the capes whipping around him. Some I like the last panel. Yeah, the last panel where Reeves is falling asleep and he sees nothing but bats. Yeah. They would do that gag in the animated series, wouldn't they? Yeah. When one of them knocked themselves unconscious or when the Batman drugged somebody, it they would, they would fade to black and then you would see nothing but bats as they came to in the Batcave. Yeah. Exactly that same transition. Which makes me think Paul Dini must have read this comic <laughs> when he was a kid. Subplot number two, Gordon is no longer commissioner, which means that Batman is on the outs with the police. The new commissioner is Peter Pauling. Appalling. Absolutely (laughs) appalling name. Subplot number three, Vicky Vale witnessed a confrontation between a magazine editor, Morton Munro, and Rupert Thorne that culminated in her editor killing himself. And if you thought that writer Jerry Conway stood at the feet of the king of alliteration, Stan Lee, you'd be right. Again, the art on page nine... ...where the Batman is lit only by torch... ...as he looks around the cliff face... ...is absolutely stunning. Mm. Absolutely great piece of art. Bit of Bernie Wrightson going on in the next panel... ...with the cape whipping around... ...a shot of the Batman from behind. The Joker... ...seems to have forgotten... ...his own adventure. Joker's five-way revenge... ...where he took Batman's utility belt off him. If he tied Batman to the cliff face here... ...without the utility belt... Yeah. He'd have gotten away
0: with this. Maybe this issue answers the debate with the Five-Way Revenge. Maybe the belt should have stayed on.
1: See, I always think it makes incredible sense for them to take the belt away. Yeah. But, you know, if he took the belt away, Batman would now be dead. So... <laughs> <laughs> Although he'd have probably just got out of it another way, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah. Because, you know, he's, he's the bat. He's got something in his boot. He's got something in his boot. Yes. The full-page fight... ...on page 14... ...is absolutely magnificent... ...but to get to it... ...we have to leave past the Masters of the Universe... ...16 page comic... ...but the Joker hitting... ...the really, 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 really small jamming device... ...tucked into Batman's utility belt... ...from such a distance... ...with his crossbow... ...is either... ...an exceptionally good shot... ...made even more remarkable by the fact that Batman turns at the last minute... ...or exceptionally good luck on Batman's part. Yeah. Because if it hadn't hit that, it would have hit him. What I want to know is how strong that
0: crossbow is. Because if it hits that small of a target, that accurately at that much of a distance, it'll have to be a strong crossbow. Now, to load a crossbow like that takes a
1: great deal of effort. Well, just being able to use crossbows or bow and arrows take a remarkable upper body strength, don't they? No, I've, Which, I've, I've loaded them. See? They're a pain. You need these little tools to help you do it. So that kind of implies the Joker is stronger than we know that he actually is. Yeah. So... And it is only a tiny little crossbow as well. The, all of the crossbow stuff in this one just did not work for me. No. It's not like the, the Joker has a history of archery, <laughs> is it? He's not like Green Joker well, or something. maybe
0: um, he learned it. You think? Well, really he came out saying, you know what, I'm going to be a clown. He said, what do clowns do oh, in circus? Right. Archery's one of them. Tame some lions. Uh, walk some tight ropes.
1: All right. Fair enough. I'm not having it, though. No, to okay. be honest with you. Uh, people tend to use the word solid whenever something is perfectly okay. Entertaining in an undemanding kind of way, but nothing special. Welcome then to a solid enough entry into the Joker canon. This was a favourite of mine for a long time, simply because it was amongst the first US Joker comics I ever bought. But not everything holds up over the course of a lifetime. The story is a collection of subplots with a main plot wraparound and, to be brutally honest, not as good in reality as it was in my memory. The Joker stuff is quite formulaic and he doesn't seem interested in even involving the Batman in this tale. Even the central idea, the Joker pissed off that no one recognises his comedic genius, has been done before in both the comics and the 60s TV show. Again, perhaps demonstrating the formulaic nature of Joker stories in this time period. The art by Garcia Lopez is great, praise Praise be his name. In fact, it's the saving grace of the issue, which made even more magnificent when we acknowledge this isn't the best Garcia Lopez artwork I've seen. I do suspect that he wasn't helped by Inca Dan Adkins. The fact that it's only a 16-page story also helps with the feel that this was a quick filling. There are no real cool ads in it either, apart from one for Frogger. On the back page, unless you count the 16-page mini comic, Masters of the Universe, drawn by Kurt Swan, in which Superman meets He-Man, mm-hmm. which you do, don't you? Yes, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I don't. I'm not a big fan of He-Man, I'll be honest. But, but, but you enjoyed that comic, <laughs> yeah? Ah, oh, seems fair enough. In the run-up to The Crisis on Infinite Earths, again, the Joker once again saw his appearances curtailed. Following the aforementioned Last Laugh in late 1982, he only appeared in the celebrator Detective Comics issue 526, entitled All My Enemies Against Me in May of 1983, which we covered on this show years ago. We did. You sat looking. going, did we? No, I know no, we did, but years
0: ago. It, was, it's, yeah,
1: it is. Plural years. Yes, it's years ago. In the first year of the show such a long time ago Uh, he followed that up with his next appearance a three part epic crossing over between Batman and Detective Comics at the end of 1983 the story started in Batman issue 365 called Ruins Wins. In it, Vicky Vale is caught doing a photojournalist bit in Guatemala but manages to escape. But she's caught again, like in part three of an old Doctor Who serial, but she manages to get a note to a tourist. The note quickly makes its way to Vicky's news magazine and in turn to Bruce Wayne, who journeys to Guatemala only to discover Vicky's escape and note were all part of a pre planned trap courtesy of the penguin. No, I'm kidding. The Joker. It's an exceptional first part with some magnificent art by Don Newton and Alfredo Alcala. Made especially great by having the reveal that the Joker is the bad guy. A complete surprise. You could do this back when things weren't solicited four months in advance. Yep. Because nowadays, part three, Joker is wild, would be solicited before part one even came out, wouldn't it? And they do that dick move they seem to do where they specifically spoil it yeah. for you. So that, that wouldn't have been a spoiled reveal because no. the Joker's appearance at the end of that issue is a surprise. Mm. wasn't teased in the previous issue either. Yeah, It just said next week Batman goes to Guatemala. What for? You'll have to buy it and see. <laughs> that kind of thing. The tale continued in Detective Comics issue 532, entitled Laugh, Killer, Laugh. The Joker plans to take over Guatemala from rebels and government alike, planning to turn it into a criminal Joker land. To do this, he'll have to assassinate the militia's top-ranking man, and then blame the rebels, but you can't make an omelette without breaking some eggs. The Joker concocts an elaborate death for Batman and Vicky, which of course the Batman escapes from, and he and Vicky flee into the jungle to prevent an assassination. The Gene and art is a little looser than the heavy blacks of Newton Alcala but the Joker's death trap a deadly toy train with Vicky tied to the tracks is glorious. There's a wonderful moment where the Batman sets about doing the impossible and Joker's men ask what's he doing boss and the Joker replies almost in admiration he's being the Batman. Also Vicky Vale mentions there's a long walk ahead of them through the jungle and Vicky says she could make the journey more fun. If I'm reading that correctly did Vicky just, like, totally offer herself to the Batman? Yeah, but didn't she also say, if you weren't
0: so stiff, then uh, maybe we could have some fun.
1: Would and he have kept his mask off?
0: And Batman just smirks. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep your mask on. So if, but if he keeps his mask on, he'd have to keep his cape on as well.
1: <laughs> no, in the Bronze Age, the cape was separate from the mask. He oh, okay. could take the mask off. I don't know how, because it's drawn as quite clearly yeah. one long thing. So, but when they needed it to, the cape was detachable. So would they
0: do the Neil Adams Batman in the desert sword fighting thing then? Yeah, probably. Oh, fair enough.
1: But with Vicky, so it's a different kind of sword fighter. <laughs> would would
0: the because the nose is very pointed? <laughs> would that not? Pull
1: would that eye not out? get in the way? yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think we're spending far <laughs> too much time on that throwaway <laughs> line. Like, Turning into a Kevin Smith. Yes. Cast. So let's not do that. <laughs> and move quickly on to the Joker is Wild the conclusion of the story which appeared in Batman 366 cover dated December 1983 the cover is one of the single best Joker Batman covers ever I remember buying this when it was released and being absolutely blown away by it I literally stood in the newsagents just looking at that cover because mm. I bought this off the rack It's absolutely magnificent and it's drawn by Walter Simonson. The Batman tugs at the Joker, pulling him over a temple as the Joker waves a gun in each hand at him and grins. There is no standard logo, it just features the word Batman as if spray-painted on the temple and the Joker is wild at the top. It was completely different from the normal covers. Very reminiscent of the design work Ed Hannigan was doing at this time and is simply glorious. It's my understanding that Simonson drew this for something else, a poster or some such, and DC was so impressed with it that Doug Mensch wrote a story around it just so they could use it as a cover. I don't know if that story's true, but when in doubt, repeat the legend.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it looks better in black and white.
1: Do you? Do you think the the one I posted on Facebook looks better? Yeah, uh,
0: it's a good cover, I just don't... I think the colour ruins it.
1: All right, fair enough. The black and white one that I put on Facebook is gorgeous. Mm. So there's, there's, no, there's no denying that. The Batman and Vicky Vale makes mix for mixed Tyre, where the Joker's assassination attempt will take place, taking a lift from a group of rebels also headed to General Diaz's speech. The journey is uncomfortable, literally, as Vicky and the Batman are sat upon illegal guns, and figuratively, when a rebel tries to knife Batman. But the Batman isn't here to judge the complex political situation. So why even bring it up? (laughs) Elsewhere, the Joker decides to take a personal hand in Diaz's death, taking a fleet of Joker choppers to do the dirty deed dirt cheap. In Gotham, Jason Todd makes a startling discovery. Alfred Pennyworth discovers the daughter he never knew, and Harvey Bullock realises he's on the wrong team, ditching Murr Hill and his scheme to rid Gotham of Gordon whilst he's in his coma. with the Batman, he spots the Joker choppers and takes off on foot. General Diaz takes his speech, claiming the rebels are receiving outside aid from the Russians to fund the acts of atrocity, but he is interrupted in full flow by Joker choppers. Joker readies the chain guns and opens fire on Diaz, but the Batman manages to shove him to safety as the rebels arrive. In the firefight, one of the Joker's choppers, not Erwolf, is taken down, and the Batman tells Diaz that the rebels were not responsible for this attack. The firefight is not going to plan, so the Joker turns taken and flees, but the Batman manages to wrap a silken bat line around the landing strut of the chopper and is pulled into the air. The chopper lists with the added weight and Batman manages to climb the rope and pop a gas capsule into the chopper cockpit. The chopper goes down, but the Joker manages to escape and flees for the ruins, but the darkness is the Batman's playground. Still, the amount of automatic weaponry makes even the Batman cautious and Joker makes it inside as the rebels and the militia arrive, united in the fight. The Joker, thoroughly fed up with the proceedings, has decided that killing Batman is the only way to salvage the day and takes aim with an automatic weapon. The Batman is dead to rights, but at that moment, in swings Robin, kicking the weapon from Joker's hands and punching him straight into the waiting arms of the Batman. As the fighting draws to a close, enemies become friends, friends become enemies, hmm? and Vicky Vale snaps her greatest ever photo, the reunion of Batman and Robin. No, 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 no. Good ending. Awful, awesome was ending. It? Yes, I like that ending. Love that ending. I have problems with it. Okay. Which I'm sure we'll get to as we go along. But starting at the beginning, which is always a good place to start, we're showcasing the era's publishing plan for the batch titles. This carries straight on from Detective Comics issue... 532. If you were only reading one comic at the time you were literally missing out on half a story as no attempt was ever made to hide that this is what DC were doing. I've never been able to prove this but I suspect this was their way of propping up sales of detective comics which was almost cancelled in the late 70s with the more popular Batman title.
0: Well, did they not have a little triangle numbering?
1: Not at this point, no.
0: Did they have a? Oh, we should have had
1: a bat. A bat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been awesome. No, at this point, it's just every. It was a bi-weekly magazine, essentially, for right. all intents and purposes. Batman and Detective comics, <laughs> written by the same guy, but two different artists. I always preferred Don Newton and Alfredo Alcala. Mm. To be honest with you, I love Gene Colan, but on the Batman, there's no, 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 nobody's better than Newton and Alcala at this point. Uh, nowhere is it more evident than in the opening pages Jason wandering around Wayne Manor bored that he was just a Dick Grayson knock off yeah he's even got the hair with the, the kiss curls on either side of his hair doesn't he if only he had black hair if only if only if only yes uh, there were moments in this story where I thought the Joker was a little too sane mm. on page 2 he ruminates about how Batman has destroyed his plans like a rational man before realising that this was a mere setback, and actually having Batman challenge him is what he thrives on. But later on in the issue, again, he has this, like, sparkling moment of lucidity, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, he's not quite as Bat-Guano as he normally is in this story.
0: I, I, I wasn't really... I didn't really think the joke was all that good in this. Did you not? No. Oh, I, I, I read it more of a Batman, Che Guevara, guerrilla adventures. With the Joker in it? <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, Fair enough. Speaking of Newton and Alcala, they give us an excellent splash of Batman caught in the headlights of a truck lifting his cape over him. Why these guys are never mentioned in the list of best Batman artists ever is completely beyond me. That's fantastic. Mm. It's very similar to the Batman and Robin caught in the spotlight one. Yes, it is. And it's, it's very Neil Adams and it's very Marshall Rogers, but it's unmistakably these two. Yeah. It's not riffing on anybody else. I think it's great. Some cool capage. Excellent capage. Cool capage capage goes a long way. It does, doesn't it? you will give him a pass when the capage is cool. Mm. And his cape doesn't look ridiculous either, though. No. McFarlane made it ridiculous, didn't he? Yeah. The Batman cape. And then he would carry that on into Spawn. (laughs) Which is Batman. (laughs) Essentially, yeah. Uh, Diaz doesn't really need the Batman to point out this wasn't Rebels unless he's really stupid. Given that the Joker has stuck a big plastic mask of his face over the front of the chopper that he's in yeah. he's not putting on any of the others so it's not like it's decoy or anything he's only putting it on the one he's in which I thought was genius <laughs> just like the joker mobile yeah. the joker copter yeah well that's the thing though that he's supposed to be trying to pin this on the rebels but he's doing it in a chopper with a joker face on it <laughs> yeah that's... Let's, see how, let's see how foolish those rebels really are <laughs> The subplots continue. Alfred's daughter, Julia, believes her adopted father was murdered and Bullock takes a few steps towards becoming the Harvey Bullock we know and love. You know what
0: I didn't like what? about the Alfred and his daughter subplot? Yes. It, it means Alfred had... Relations. Relations, yeah. So? But it's it's Alfred.
1: So? He's... He's <laughs> a stud muffin now. Is right, okay, dude. <laughs> My name is Alfred Pennyworth. Alfred's
0: drowning in there.
1: Uh, and Michael Pl- Kane played Alfie! Yeah, well, so right. there you go!
0: You, you see, it all comes together. So Alfie and Alfred are the same characters?
1: I think so. <laughs> okay. After that, he went to Gotham City, didn't he? To look at Because he's to done look to the yeah. To look, yeah, yeah. Right. So Alfie, Michael Caine, is Alfred Pennyworth. Why are we writing these books? I don't know! <laughs> <laughs> but we totally should be. Uh, page 15 is the best page in the boot. The Batman has disappeared into the jungle after the helicopter blows up and taunts his foes without ever being seen. Sadly, he doesn't take any of them down, which is always cool, but seeing his enemies just freak out like this is brilliant. The bat-arangs just keep coming out of nowhere and clipping them, Mm. and you just keep hearing his voice saying, I'm coming for you, Joker. And it's a little bit, I'm coming for you, Barbara, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Only with, only with, Joker with Batman. Joker just turns around. Hey, you're ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> you can't escape me, Joker. <laughs> it's no longer a laughing matter. Very good. I do like that page, despite our mocking. Uh, Batman versus Machine Gun. Could have been cool, but Robin shows up and ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only kidding, Chris Franklin. I'm only joking. What's with the pink sky in that panel? Yeah, yeah, I don't understand why the sky suddenly turns pink for one panel and they've done such a good job of it being black in every other panel, given that it's night. Maybe there
0: was an explosion going on in the background. Possibly. Maybe a helicopter just blown up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I'll no prize that. Uh, A pink explosion. Yeah, yeah. The chemicals in the helicopter. Yes. These are all excellent explanations, and I'm having them. That seems fair enough. To be fair, actually, the scene where Robin appears out of nowhere, I thought was really, really good, well drawn, and turning a all his last moment into a punch-in-the-air in joy moment instead. However, it is really stretching credibility that Jason managed to find the money, book a flight, dye his hair black, steal a Robin costume, and then find his way to this exact place in time for this final confrontation... When you consider how much effort it took Batman to get here in the last issue of Batman. What if he
0: got here after everything had settled down and Batman <laughs> buggered back off to Gotham? <laughs> and
1: Robin, Robin had just arrived and went, oh crap, <laughs> <Yeah>. everyone's left. <laughs> he has no money to get back to Gotham. <laughs> oh dear, that would be a shame, wouldn't it? And I do love that he says, it's me, Batman, Jason. And Batman's like, world's greatest detective. <laughs> Which is unintentionally hilarious. Munch, to his credit, does seem Mensch Munch, however you pronounce it, does seem to to acknowledge that this is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Because he kind of brushes past it, plot exposition, throws it out of the way, gets gets on past it, hoping that no one's going to notice. Buy it. Yeah. That you're going. Ah, that's it's a bit silly. Hmm. No one questioned this fourteen year old lad getting on a plane on his own. Ah.
0: I didn't like it anyway, to be honest. Why did you I I don't like this Jason Todd anyway.
1: Do you not? No. Why not? I prefer this Jason Todd to snotty little Jason Todd. I
0: prefer snotty little Jason Todd because at least then he wasn't blatantly Dick Grayson. Alright. But, you know, I I didn't like it anyway because he is just a deus ex in this issue. He does just show up at the end and say, Batman's ass. It seems like he's only turned into Robin (laughs) because they wanted to have Robin. Well, that was the idea, wasn't it? Yeah. This was
1: the They were slowly introducing a new Robin. But he was the same Robin. Yes, but as we've mentioned before, it's not the writer's fault that that's what DC asked them to do. Yeah. I like this Robin. I'm sorry, but I like this Jason Todd, but this was mine. Mm. I was getting a new Robin from scratch. And suddenly the defining image of Jason Todd is stealing the Batmobile's tyres.
0: Well, I think now the defining image of him is
1: being dead. (laughs) The defining image of him is now being beaten to death with a crowbar. Now that he's the Red Hood, yeah, probably. (laughs) All right, further, yeah, I'll go with that. That seems perfectly acceptable. I thought this was a pretty decent conclusion two or three part storyline, a storyline that pretty much epitomises the Joker in the early 80s. This Joker isn't quite as insane as normal. His plan is actually quite sensible and well thought out, even if his ultimate goal is as mad as a bag of cats. And he knows when to retreat. At the conclusion, he even sees some semblance of sense and finally thinks to just shoot Batman dead and be done with it. Largely, I suspect, because this is again, another plan the Joker didn't want Batman involved in. Unlike the Riddler, the Joker is very specific about when and where he and Batman get to play their little games, and they're almost always on his terms. The politics of whatever the hell was going on in Guatemala at this time, if they have any bearing on reality, aren't what I responded to in enjoying this story, although they do show a marked difference in approach to similar such torn-from-the-headline stories from the past in which the country was fictional. But for the most part, this is a moody story serviced well by the most excellent Newton Alcala artist team with the Batman out of his normal environment. So I'm to take it that you didn't like this one.
0: I, 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 I was alright the story
1: as a whole but I
0: thought it started stronger than it ended.
1: Alright, fair enough. I don't mind that, that's, that's a fair comment. There are a ton of ads for cartoons, all of which we've covered before, and a great meanwhile column in which a reader has wrote into to Dick Giordano to complain about how comics now cost 75 cents an issue. It's an outrage. Yeah. It 75 really cents an issue. Had that gone up over here yet? No, no, it was still 25p over here. Right. Wouldn't be long before that would go up to 30 pence. Mm. That buggered me up. It wouldn't be long until that 30 pence turned into 3 pounds. Well, I couldn't get I couldn't get 4 comics for a pound then. Could you not? No, I was, I was saddened. <laughs> saddened by this. I could only get 3 for 90p. What strange hell is this? Well, you're going to spend 10p on it. know!
0: <laughs> Fast. Unless you carry that over until the next week and then you can get... No, you can't. You don't have
1: twenty paint. Yes, yeah, so you'd, you'd have to do it for four weeks <laughs> yeah. before you could buy so a comic.
0: At least then you you it works out in the long term, I guess.
1: Yes, as yes. long as, as long
0: as you only want three comics a week.
1: I didn't. I wanted four. <laughs> That's what I used to buy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, a more recent story from the Batman Villains Secret Files and Origins issue cover dated October 1988. The cover is by Brian Bolland and of various different Batman adversaries including Two-Face, Catwoman, Scarecrow, and of course the Joker about to squirt Poison Ivy with his flower. Who's the guy covered in newspaper? I don't know. At, at first I thought it was on a matter paper but then I
0: thought well, he's not around yet. No, he was only created for Kevin Smith's He's, he's he newspaper
1: <laughs> the newspaper man. The newspaper man. Very good. I have no idea who that is. Oh, Printman? man. Yeah, possibly. Print works. Or is he Typeface? Oh no, Typeface was a Spider-Man villain, wasn't he? Yes. So it's, it's not. We don't know who that is. No. We're handing in our fan card. Mm-hmm. We don't have a clue who that. I is. do
0: like the Joker poison ivy interaction.
1: Yes. The uh, the Joker is letting poison ivy sniff his flower, and he's holding the it little squirt thing, yes, <laughs> in his hand, like he's about to squirt it with acid. I do hope that Poison Ivy survives, because I like Poison Ivy. I'm sure you do. I suspect... You can't touch her, though, can you? (laughs) I suspect she's only doing this because she wants to get him back for Harley Quinn. Okay. That would make sense to me. Uh, Some critics have accused Brian Bolland of being a little stiff. And to be fair, I can see that in his sequential storytelling. But I think his covers which are designed to be poster pieces, not sequential storytelling, are sublime. And that's another one. Joker looks like he's had a nice little haircut though on that one, doesn't he?
0: Yeah. I I really like Bolland, whether he's stiff or not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well... Don't swing at (laughs) the easy ones! The story uh, in this issue that I've chosen to focus on was a prose piece by writer Kelly Puckett. It says that the art is by Brian Bolland, but given that it's just clip art from the killing joke. Quite pixelated. Yeah, I thought that was a bit of a cheat, mm. to be honest with you. but
0: yeah. Well, they'd already spent a lot of money on the cover, they couldn't splash out any more. Yeah, they
1: couldn't get him to draw two more pieces of the Joker art, could yeah. they? The Joker is interviewed by journalist George Carver of the magazine Comedians Quarter. Carver asks the Joker to start with a gag, and the Joker asks, why did the writer miss his deadline? Throughout the conversation, the Joker talks about what's funny and what isn't to the aghast journal, all the while keeping a steady stream of chocolate chip cookies prepared by the Joker's own fur hand coming. See, the Joker says, as the journalist falls dead after an allergic reaction to the ground-up peanuts in the cookies, I foreshadowed your death at the top of the interview. Why did the writer miss his deadline? He was killed by a nut! Now that's funny. I picked this up just a few weeks ago. This was in the cheap bins. Yeah. Uh, At the last Manchester comic show I went to. I always liked these Secret Files and Origins comics. But I don't think I ever bought one new. Because of the price point. This would have been $5 brand new over 15 years ago. Which Mm. was a bit steep. Yeah. To be honest with you. Uh, Having said that, I've since seen an awful lot of them in the cheapy bins. And there is a lot of these in the cheapy bins. Because they just don't matter. At all anymore, mm. do they? So it is quite easy to pick these up. I read this on the train coming home, and I thought this little two page story was actually really fun and funny. The gag that a man named George Car- Carver should have a nut allergy is pretty clever. George Carver in real life found lots of different uses for nuts. All right. Did you know that? No, I, didn't I did. I didn't even have to look that up, <laughs> and it's not even in my notes. And the Joker's really funny, isn't he? And engaging throughout this story. Oh, there you go. He's the answer.
0: Right. That's who he is. So why is he covered in newspapers? I, d- I
1: don't know, given that I thought the answer was was a Batman villain. I do not The answer, of Batman No, villain. it was Spider-Man villain, comment. sorry. But anyway, <laughs> the answer knows. Was that She-Hulk? The question knows. Uh, no, it's Ferak. Nature's female... F- oh, okay. Yeah, lots of 90s villains... Yeah. ...in this comic. Um, it was good, it was funny. Carver catches the Joker in a moment of lucidity, And whilst the punchline is, no, is in no doubt... It was fun getting though, wasn't it? Mm. I, I like that a great deal. There's some other good stories in this as well, isn't there? Yeah. Isn't well I
0: only read the other Joker one.
1: Did you only read the other Joker story? There's another Joker story called um, Green Lantern in Arkham, in which Green Lantern cacks himself the Joker to Arkham. Quite frankly, when he escorts the Joker to Arkham. My my personal favourite was um, how Bane infiltrated Wayne Manor. Oh, yeah. if you remember in Nightfall he just shows up in Wayne Manor mm. and like one of the questions was well does Wayne Manor not have lots of security Yeah. so similar to what Lee and um, Kirby and Ditko did with Spider-Man when he first went to sell the Fantastic Four yeah. and people asked the same question doesn't Reed Richards have like a lot of security on the Baxter building they went back and told a, a little five or six page story as to how Bane got into Wayne Manor so it's a uh... A uh, Nightfall deleted scene. Yeah, essentially it is a Nightfall deleted scene. Oh, okay. And it's actually quite good. Has that ever been included in any of the trades? I'd, not to my knowledge, but given that the trades didn't even cover Night's Quest of the Search, which yeah. is a kind of integral to the plot, I, know, I kind of doubt that they've used that page. I guess it's not important, it's no loss, but... It is a little bit important, Bruce Wayne getting his no, legs back. Oh, you mean that? Thing, yeah. No, but it, it would have been something that would be nice to include, yeah, yeah. wouldn't it? And slot it into the right place. Mm-hmm. That'd be quite cool. I mean, it's by a different artist, but it doesn't matter. Not really. Different artist, all over. Nightfall, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, that about wraps it up for the Joker this week. Next time, we will be concluding Dreadful Birthday, Dear Joker, with uh, an example of the Batman adventures, because I think we have to acknowledge the animated series. Yeah. In more concrete form than have what we we've already, already done. Have we already done Mad Love? No, we've never done Mad Love. We could have done that. I did think about doing Mad Love, but it's primarily a Harley Quinn origin story more than it's a Joker story. Now, you can argue that Batman Adventures 28, which we're covering next week, is a Harley Quinn story. Yeah. But the Joker is the impetus for everything in it. Right, okay. So, yes, but Mad Love is certainly a consideration at some point. Yeah. As we rattle towards what could be the end. And then two of Michael's picks, Batman issue 663. Which, uh, I, I right,
0: okay. Go on. No, I was, I thought you were going to read them in the right order, but never mind. And Detective Comics 826. Yes, which I remember enjoying, but don't know if I'm still going to enjoy it. I think you will. will I, I suspect I? you will. Why have I not read them in the right order? Because the Detective Comics comes out first.
1: Yes, it does, but there is a footnote saying that this story takes place after an st- issue of Batman that hasn't come out yet. Alright, okay. So... Ha-ha! We're going to that in more depth next week, lovely listener, because I've already written the notes for next week's episode. I have yet to read them. Because I am
0: efficiency incarnate. You know, because how anal I am with the Grant Morrison's Batman, I'm going to end reading the issues before that issue. Yeah. And then once we've done the issue for next week, I'm going to end up reading the rest
1: of the run. Oh, dear God. Right, anyway, the phone's ring it just in time for us to finish, so we're going to go... We will see you next week. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Bye bye. Goodbye. Turn it up, I never wanna go home. I wanna be part of your breakdown. She got caught by the phone before it picked her up and she never get let down. And now I can't stop thinking about it. All you people at the top don't know nothing about it. We don't give a fuck what the price is. So just leave us to our own devices and we'll leave you alone I'll be there when your heart starts beating I'll be there when your
0: last breath's taken away In the dark when there's no one listening
1: comics is a the devil will find work for idle hands-to-do production. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright, their respective copyright holders, and are used for review and illustrative purposes only, and no infringement is intended, so don't send your phalanx of highly paid lawyers after us, as we have no money. Certainly, this show is not turned into a lucrative revenue stream, as no money is made from this either, which vexes us. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and no one else. They own them, cherish them and look after them, but are probably not to be taken too seriously. New episodes drop every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com and Hey Kids Comics is a part of the Two True Freaks internet radio network, your one-stop shop for a plethora of truly fine shows. And we can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com we can also befriend it on Facebook by using Hey Kids, all one word as the first name and Comics as the surname. We do hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. I'll be there when your heart starts beating
0: I'll be there when your last breath's taken away In the dark when there's no this
1: week